Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for the Negative Positives Podcast, coming to you live out of the Gutter Man Cave in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. And now, here are your hosts, Andre Dominguez and Mike Gutterman. Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 148. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from, well, not really the Gutterman cave, uh, more like the uh, the Gutterman mansion. The Gutter Mansion, I guess, uh, <laughs> because uh, we are recording uh, at a little different time than usual because of a very special guest, which we will uh, announce here in just a few moments. But right now, also on the line with me is Mr. Andre Dominguez, everyone's favorite co-captain. How are you today, Andre? I'm doing very, very well, Mike. I'm so excited to be here with you bright and early in the morning. It is (laughs) 9.20 in the morning here in sunny Laguna Beach, California. Uh, But even more excited than the beautiful weather and the, you know, the, the... Unusual sobriety of this recording is our fantastic <laughs> guest this week. Yes, indeed. And um, we have a, a real heavy hitter on here today. It's uh, none other than actually our first, I'm actually embarrassed to say this, but our first uh, female guest on this show. And uh, definitely hoping that it will bring a level of sophistication that normally is not on this program. And that would be the one and only Rachel from the Sunny 16 podcast all the way out in, I'm sure, the beautiful UK. How are you doing today, Rachel? Hi, Mike. Hi, Andre. I'm good, thank you. It's really nice to be here. I was chuckling away at my introduction there. (laughs) Um, Oh, God, sorry, I've just swallowed half a glass of wine (laughs) down the wrong way. Oh, that's a good start, isn't it? You know what you're talking about, Mike, about being a lot more sophisticated. And then that's the first impression that I give of uh, of me being on the call. Uh, but just to just to clarify, it's not nine o'clock in the morning here, and I've I've already got a glass of wine. It is um, it's at least twenty past five. So I thought, well, it's tea time. Nearly, um, I can have it's happy a, hour. Yeah, right. So I thought I might as well have a quick glass of um, wine that I left over from last night because I fell asleep on the sofa, and my cup of tea because obviously it's the UK, so we have to have a, a British cup of tea here. So there we go. Anyway, you're already fitting into the podcast, Rachel. (laughs) What with the with the uh, with the chaos of the opening uh, hello? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) No, and it's and it's also so bizarre because uh, as some of you may remember, my first appearance on any podcast whatsoever (laughs) was on the Sunny Sixteen podcast. So it's kind of you know surreal right now to be interviewing one of my favorite hosts of. of, I'm comfortable saying my my favorite film photography podcast on the air. Oh, Thank nice. you so much. That's so sweet of you, Andre. That's really nice. Well, it's it's <laughs> funny. Yes, uh... That was your first taste, wasn't it, of uh, of podcasting? And look what happened. Yeah, you know. Now co-hosting this with Mike. Amazing. Okay, I don't know how I fell on, fell onto this ship, but <laughs> only open water elsewhere. So I guess I'll stay. <laughs> Actually, it was all it's all part of my diabolical plan just to get Rachel on the show. I figured I had to get Andre to join us first since he was on Sunny Sixteen. Oh, yeah, an almost one year long plan. That's very your style, Mike. <laughs> 
You played the slow game, Mike. I like it. <laughs> well, it's funny. Uh, both Andre and I have appeared on the Sunny 16 podcast, which was mm-hmm. a big thrill. But uh, Rachel was absent on both times, I believe, that we uh, were on the show. So I can only think yeah. that she was avoiding us, uh, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> that was clearly my plan. Uh, it was oh, no, no. Ra- do, Rachel so, was, yeah. on, was on mine. Was she? Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yes, when I was, I was with, with Andre. Uh, Robert Ham talking about the, the new box. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought, wasn't one of the guests missing or something? Or did you, you had the whole crowd? Aid was uh, missing. He was Aid actually was in missing. North Carolina. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, I knew you were missing somebody. So, okay. Well, you know, I think the only But reason... it's a shame that we've not had a chance to chat yet, Mike. So uh, I'm glad <laughs> yeah. to be able to do this today. This is lovely. Nice. Yeah. And also, it was, it's, uh... it's, it's nice that we're, we're doing this uh, prior to to Graham's appearance on the podcast. He'll be helping <laughs> us judge the results from the double exposures uh, community challenge. So, and you know, sorry, Graham, but Rachel beat you to it. Yeah. Well, you know, won't be the first time. I am better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling we're going to hear from Graham about not being the, uh, the first uh, Sunny 16 host to, to appear on this show because I know all the hosts on the Sunny 16 are scrambling to be on negative positives, I'm sure. So, uh, but uh, <laughs> absolutely, I just this wish is, you would leave us a passive aggressive call in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll have to do that. You don't have to listen to it on Anchor, but use those call in features, folks. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Okay, so let's uh, go ahead and start a little bit about uh, our weeks. And uh, Andre, how about we start with uh, what Andre has been up to this week? Sure, absolutely. So I uh, got the the whole, you know, um, what's it called? Fourth of July weekend off of work at Cinestill. And so I came out here to Laguna Beach, California, which is uh, out on the coast, obviously, in Orange County to spend the Fourth of July weekend with uh, some childhood friends of mine. Uh, we went to elementary and middle school together back in the UAE when I was quite young and uh, they have a beautiful house here on the coast uh, been enjoying the beach uh, enjoying the the actual 4th of July celebration on Wednesday and uh, taking a lot of photos with my Roloflex 3.5 F and a mixture of 50D and 800T nice so you didn't have a, a whole lot of work week this week huh you, you get off nope. quite a bit Fourth of July. Just Andre, yes. Andre, you, you you didn't mention the the lovely photo that you sent me of you um, with uh, with your glass of um, was it was it bourbon? It was indeed bourbon. Uh, they are very much wine drinkers, but they did have a beautiful <laughs> bottle of the very nostalgic to me Knob Creek One Hundred and One uh, <gasps> that was the first bur- well no it wasn't the first bourbon I had tried but it was the bourbon that produced episodes 97 through 100 the legendary <laughs> episodes 97 through 100 of the negative positives podcast so it holds a special place of my in my heart just the the smell of Knob Creek 101 reminds me of the gutter man cave so it was very very touching <laughs> oh wow uh. What a, uh, There's what a story a in so many things, isn't there? Absolutely, <laughs> and your sense of smell is such a powerful, is a you know powerful memory trigger. Well, it's a first <laughs> sense that we develop. 
yeah 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 which i always thought it was sound because i always thought of it as being you know that you hear sounds from within the womb you know when when people talk to you you know that kind of thing that you get used to your parents voices but apparently it's it's scent apparently it's a sense of smell that's the first sense that we develop so um it's clearly something that's very powerful Hmm. there you go I wonder if my mom took a bunch of distillery tours or something when I was in the womb. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you just found that overwhelmingly like attractive <laughs> as, a, as a place you had to be. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, Andre, does that wrap you up or you want to do anything else? No, no, that just about wraps me up. Uh, I'm actually you know, going to be heading back to, to L.A. Uh, early tomorrow morning to try to beat the, the horrific L.A. traffic to get back home and uh, start another week at Cinestill. So lots of adventures in these next few weeks to come, but that's been my weekend so far. Nice, nice. Okay, so hey, Rachel, how about we go with you? What have you been up to this week? And of course, I mean, I, I guess uh, you could tell the people a little bit about yourself, but I think that's almost unnecessary because everyone knows who the lovely Rachel is. But, uh... Uh, well, that's very sweet of you, Mike. Um, if, if they don't, um, just to give a very, very quick background, um, I am unsurprisingly an analog photographer, um, but I also work as a hybrid photographer. So I do use digital as well as um, analog and I kind of combine the two. I set up a small business called Little Vintage Photography. Um, and uh, then I got, um, what would be the word, bribed or, or stolen um, or sort of like forced into becoming a podcast um, co-host of the Sunny 16 podcast uh, by Graham and Aid, uh, who also said, yeah, we need a woman on here. This would be good. Um, and I think Graham introduced me as being the first person to appear with ovaries or something. So that was... Uh... <laughs> Uh, a lovely way of him introducing me. So there we go. So I am the uh, Sunny 16 podcast co-host and obviously run my own small analog photography business. Um, and this week I have been really busy, actually, um, un- unsurprisingly, uh, for, for people who, who may already know of me, um, that there's always a million things going on. Uh, but this week has been quite exciting and uh, I've been really happy to say that I've been working on putting together more of my uh, kits because this week I launched my very very first ever little vintage photography product which is an analog adventurers kit um so I was at <clears throat> sorry excuse me I was at something called Makefest on the Saturday, which is like a maker festival in the UK. Uh, this one happens to be in Liverpool and takes over the whole of the Central Library, which is a beautiful building. Um, it's uh, five, six floors. Um, and uh, basically across all of the floors, you've got different stalls with different makers and inventors and creators and things happening, uh, running you know, demonstrations or workshops or um, selling products. So I thought, well, this is something I've had in mind for at least at least two years now. Um, and finally, I thought, well, you know, this, this, I might as well just go for it, even if it's not completely, you know, sort of ready for me to go. Um, I've got my own website for it and all the rest of it, because you get to the point where you go, I just need to do this now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it been it been, like I say, on my mind for so long. So I put a few together as sort of a little trial run. Um, and I thought, well, if I just take a handful with me that I've made up and just see generally what the response is like. And it was great response. So I was really mm-hmm. pleased with that. 
Um, and was that me? Sorry, was that my No, phone? sorry, that was okay. me. Super That's unprofessional, my bad. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, so I thought I'd take a, take a handful with me and see what um, people thought. And there was a lovely response. And so um, then it was like, oh, crap. <laughs> now I need to probably get them online so I can sell them online. Um, so that has been my week, really, has been kind of figuring out how to do that, um, dealing with... Um, the first orders that have been coming in for it and people getting in touch uh, about saying, oh, this seems really interesting and I'd like to know a bit more and all of that kind of thing. So I had somebody drop by the house literally like last night to pick one up. It's okay. It was somebody who I actually knew. Um, <laughs> otherwise, that's really creepy. Uh, but no, it was fine. It was fine. Um, so they got in touch and said, actually, have you got any made up now? Because I need it by six o'clock tonight. So uh, so I happened to have uh, an ex- the extra sort of demo model that I'd taken with me to the make fest fair and i said yeah that's fine you can have that one so um so yeah so they pop around and pick that up so yeah really that has been my week this week um kind of getting on top of that and i'm putting together a little instruction video as well because um uh, as part of the kit pack um i made sure that there were printed instructions that there was also a um uh, you know like a page which has the visuals of you know uh, a little set of photos to show how you would put build the pinhole viewer which is part of the kit um but i thought actually people learn in so many different ways some people like to read text some people like to hear it some people like to just watch a video and and kind of like build along with that so excuse me so that's um that's what i've been putting together to make sure that you also have a password to the video so that you can see the instruction video and and build along with it if you need to so yeah so um so that's what i've been up to my my analog adventures kit kind of covers um making your own um sunprint photograph a cyanotype sunprint um photogram if you like and also building uh, constructing building your first like pinhole viewer so you can actually see uh, how the physics of lights works and and see the world upside down through it so it doesn't take a photo but it's it's to sort of demonstrate uh, a bit of the chemistry and a bit of the physics side of photography nice nice yeah, i was just very gonna... cool yeah we're we're definitely going to want to talk uh some more details very soon about uh, both the, the Analog Adventures kit as well as, you know, just little vintage photography uh, as a business in general. But, uh, Mike, let's uh, let's wrap up this this segment uh, with, with what you've been uh, <laughs> getting yourself up to this past week. Well, I should have known better than to follow up Rachel's week with my week because it's a lot less uh, uh, productive, I think. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, I guess, let's see, what did I do? Uh, well... I went to a pool party last Sunday at my aunt's, and uh, you beat me already, Mike. Seriously, <laughs> I mean, it's not like I get chance to do that. So you know, for me, that's like the ultimate. Go to a well, pool party? I've never been to a pool party before. That's well, amazing. this is this is the first of two pool parties I've been to this uh, this week. Yeah, yeah, but uh, um, oh, well, I will say it. This week we had a uh, uh, like a heat wave, and uh, at one point on Fourth of July. Uh, Louisville, Kentucky was, uh, by heat index, the hottest place in the United States, which uh, we hit like 109, I believe, Fahrenheit. So it was, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty, uh, you almost had to be in a pool if you're going to be outside. So, but uh, Sunday I had taken uh, a Kodak Pony camera I was trying out for the first time. And uh, with some, yeah, it's a Kodak Pony, I forget, two or something, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, it's a very uh, basic 1950s, I would say, uh, all manual camera. And um, 
but it's very simple. Only a four or five uh, different shutter yes. speeds. Yeah, it's a little 35 millimeter. And um, so, but, and I took some film that I hadn't tried, some old slide film that uh, uh, John Gregory had given me. Uh, so I was just trying it out, you know. And so I did finish that row, left the camera there. So uh, when I left and, uh, but I was like, no big deal. I'm going back to my aunt's again on 4th of July, which we did. And uh, I grabbed that camera and finished that row. Uh, the only problem is I only loaded like a 10 shot roll in there because I was trying the film out. So it was a bulk load that I, I did like 10 shots and just to try it out. And I, I kept going past 10, past 10. I'm like, <laughs> no, what's, what's going on here? And um, so I, I, I'm hoping that some of the shots will be fine. But um, when I... Uh, Finally, I just decided to re rewind it back into the cassette, or at least hope that I did. And then when I opened up the back, I had one of those plastic um, uh, bulk load uh, cartridges, you know, like you use, Andre, the plastic mm -hmm. refillable cartridges. Yeah, the, the reloadable cassettes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, the bottom piece of it, the bottom metal piece, had kind of, kind of popped off a little bit, and it was letting the uh, – it just kind of loosened up the whole cassette sort of. So I don't know if it was just like spinning, you know, when I was uh, <laughs> when I was forwarding the film, uh, because it wasn't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if that had something to do with it or not. But I don't. Nothing we'll worse say. than baggy film. It, what's that? I said, there's nothing worse than baggy film, is there? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And uh, you know, I've got no one, no one to blame but myself because uh, I was the one that loaded this uh, this row. So, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it. We'll see. It. it I, I haven't developed it yet, but hopefully something came out with that. Um, but on a brighter note, um, I can. Yesterday, I finally finished my first row of advanced photo system APS film the first row I've shot since the 1990s I believe so uh, <laughs> so I I uh, have a little Kodak APS camera and we went bowling yesterday with the kids and uh we took a little uh indoor like um uh, what they call it like a slow sync flash where it flashes and yet leaves the shutter open a little longer after the flash so mm -hmm. tried to get some uh weird action shots of my uh, kids bowling and uh, finished up a, a roll of good old APS Kodak Advantix. So, uh, <laughs> so how are you getting that developed? Like, I'm, how do you, well, I mean, breaking open the cassette. Yeah, I'm going to have to, uh, I mean, there's places that still develop APS, but, uh, it's, I think it's quite expensive, but I'm going to get in the dark bag and crack open the, uh, cartridge. There's plenty of, uh, online uh, videos about how to do it. And then I have a kind of a special reel and um, uh, developing tank I'm going to use for it, which uh, I'll reveal if it works because I, I don't want to tell people to try this. <laughs> and then, is it, and, is it uh, an APS reel, a specific one built for that, or, or what, what no, are you using, Mike? Uh, Sorry. Uh, no, it's a. Uh, I mean, you, I have seen people take the plastic reels and like kind of cut their own little notch to kind of get it down mm -hmm. to APS size. I know that's possible. And then also mm -hmm. there was supposedly like a Yankee tank. I think the Yankee 
two or Yankee Clipper or some kind of weird. Oh uh, man, the Yankee tanks are garbage. such garbage. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and, uh, I've never come across one of those. Is it? Is it a very? Is it an American brand? Presumably? Yeah, they were based. I in believe like... it's an American. You know, horrible quality injection molded <laughs> like thing that kind of falls apart in your hands. I was looking at one for one ten film back when I was. Yeah. You know, seduced by the allure of 110 for a hot second and then, <laughs> you were naive I'm yeah and then when i when i <laughs> when i went to the the camera store where i work and i uh, picked up one of the yankee clipper 2 tanks that uh that we had um i understood why we hadn't sold it in a year because it, <laughs> it feels absolutely horrible yeah it's like a real like hard brittle plastic and uh, i believe they were actually based in los angeles andre so you probably run into all kinds of Yankee stuff out there, but, uh, but, uh, uh, they, uh, um, yeah, there was a one that supposedly has, uh, kind of, well, just, I guess because the fact that their stuff is so kind of crappy, like one of their reels just kind of, you can kind of just set it on whatever size you, you want. So I think, uh, um, APS will work for that, but, um, actually I'll go ahead and, uh, reveal for the first time what my plan, but, uh, I have a uh, tank that I bought. It's called a, a Kodakraft uh, tank. It was an old Kodak tank. And these uh, don't come with, like, plastic reels. They come with what a lot of people call, like, um, oh, what is it called? Like, ravioli reels. Like, are these plastic... Lasagna reels. Lasagna, not ravioli. <laughs> <laughs> it's very early for me. Oh, uh, my God. That's a very different kind. Where it crimps the edge for you. Yes. <laughs> Makes it into their own little, you know, square slides yeah. in the shape of ravioli. Fills, fills a little pocket with with some, you know, some delightful treats or something. I love it. That's great. Okay, now you can see. Now you can see that it's better when I think I Mike's am. more mac and cheese than lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> okay sorry so... mike we're only teasing go on tell tell us about the the ravioli it, it'll forever be known as a ravioli tank now <laughs> well these uh these spaghetti reels that i'm talking about uh no <laughs> the, these lasagna reels is what they call them they're like these plastic um uh it's like a plastic roll and um with like little crimped edges all the way around the edges and uh Basically, I think with I, my theory is that I'll be able to put the APS film in this and uh, and in these lasagna rolls. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, uh, I think they're also called something else. I know that uh, uh, Freestyle tried to bring them back at one point uh, a couple years mm-hmm. ago, and apparently they didn't work so well, so they took them off the market. I don't know if they're still trying to reproduce them or not. But anyway, if you look up Coda Craft Developing Tank, and reels you'll see what i'm talking about it's these little plastic sleeves sort of that you just and you kind of put the film in and uh just kind of run it around the inside of this plastic reel and it just kind of or plastic sleeve and it uh it allows the crimps allow the uh, chemicals to flow through the um, it's it's very strange it's hard to describe on an audio podcast obviously but uh uh but yeah look those up if you're looking for a way to develop some weird size film my theory is that this will work so uh but we shall know soon when i crack open this aps cassette and try to get it developed so uh i'm definitely hoping it works because you know aps film is really really cheap right now so (laughs) i'd like to continue to shoot uh some more of it for the fun of it 
but if this developing uh, process ends up being a bust, then I probably won't do it because I don't see me sending off APS to like the dark room or whatever. <laughs> but uh, this so. is really cool. It looks very, very fun actually. It, mm -hmm. um, I see what you mean about it. it's. It's kind of got these weird like crimps around it. I'm just literally just googled it now because it's not one I've come across before. Mm -hmm. um, looks very cute actually. Oh. Yeah, a lot of people let's said. Go, let's that, know. Mm. A lot of people said that's uh, you know that it works perfectly. That they don't have any trouble with uh, chemicals. It, some people like I guess have a theory that the chemicals won't uh, be able to be in contact with the negative properly with that, of that style. But everything I've read about it has been pretty positive, and a lot of people love them and wondered why that didn't become the standard rather than the reels that we use today so uh, mm. uh but so i'm looking forward to giving it a try but uh i mean it says it says miniature roll film tank do you think that would work for something like um the sub miniatures as well you know the, the spy cameras and things like that for for processing that kind of thing uh you know it's funny because the one i bought it came with a two different uh reels one for 120 and one for uh 35 millimeter and i'm mm. uh you know i guess what I, my APS is smaller than 35, so I'm going to use the 35 yeah. reel and hope that that will work. I can't see why mm -hmm. it wouldn't. So mm -hmm. it's, it would seem like as, it, as long as the reel is bigger than your film, you should be fine. So, you know, like mm -hmm. anything below 35 millimeter, I would think that any film smaller than 35 or 35 would be would be fine for it that's my theory and these this all sounds fine and dandy but i, I haven't used it yet so but we'll see <laughs> but uh it seems like it would though it seems like you would be able to use any film smaller than 35 on the 35 reel so you know yeah uh, yeah and mm. it seems like it could be a good uh you know a good uh solution for people uh that are got some weird film sizes or uh, 110 oh, would be good for so i'm gonna uh, have to buy a new thing now <laughs> yeah and they, they go for really oh, cheap Mike. Oh, <laughs> they go for pretty cheap but make sure you get the the reels because a lot of them they're just selling the tanks without the reels so ah. i actually had my tank came with one reel i think the 35 millimeter and then i had to buy um a 120 um reel um separately but it, it was all it was all very cheap but uh uh, but yeah, just make sure you get the whatever reel you're looking for because they can be a little bit harder to find the reels than the tanks. Mm -hmm. So, uh, <laughs> okay. but uh, yeah, it's Kodak Kodacraft tanks is what we're talking about. So, but uh, that's pretty much uh, been my week, I believe. Uh, so, you guys want to take a little break and uh, get back to we have a, a uh, basically a post on the Facebook group where we asked uh, our wonderful people on the group to. Uh, ask any questions that we wanted to talk with uh, Rachel about. And uh, so we kind of want to address some of those questions. So you guys want to take a break and come back and ad address those? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's take a break and we shall be right back, folks. Folks, we are back from the break, and we on our Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group, 
uh, put up a thing. Actually, I did it like pretty late last night. It kind of only gave uh, the people on the group maybe six hours to ask questions of or topics uh, that they would like to hear us discuss with uh, our wonderful guest, Rachel, from the Sunny 16 podcast. And uh, they kind of came through in flying colors and uh, asked uh, quite a few questions in a six-hour time span, which, uh, I don't know, it uh, gives some uh, credibility to how how active our Facebook group is, which I really appreciate. It's very awesome that we could get questions in six hours <laughs> to, to ask our guest. So uh, it's very awesome. But uh, Andre, how about you uh, start off with uh, kind of the, the first question, uh, which is from uh, Bill Thu. And uh, actually, it kind of leads into some questions from some of the other uh, 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 people on the Facebook group. Absolutely. So uh, it's definitely obvious from these questions that that people know our lovely guest, Rachel, and and some of her work in that uh, there's quite a few asking about cyanotypes and just alternative processes in general. So why don't we start out uh, with kind of the essence of of Bill's question, which is, uh, Rachel, what kind of alternative processes uh, are you into? uh, Which ones do you incorporate into your professional work with little vintage photography? And which one do you, which ones do you kind of tend to gravitate towards when you're doing workshops with, with young kids? Yeah, I, I, um, I think actually Bill may have sent us uh, an email to Sony 16 at some point previously uh, because I remember his, his uh, fantastic name. So um, mm-hmm. many thanks to Vicky and Bill Thu who who got in touch clearly to ask about this. Alternative processes. I love alternative processes. They're so much fun. They're just, I, I just find them really magical. Like obviously the whole of analog photography to me is magical. Um, I just think it's incredible the way that we can just use sunshine and some chemicals and some water and we make we make images. It's just, I, I don't think, however long I do this, I don't think I'll really get over just the beautiful simplicity of that. Um, and the alternative processes are just a fantastic way of introducing people to the, this world, this whole kind of like new sphere of of image making that they may well not have come across before, um, especially in the workshops I do. It's it's a really nice way of introducing the idea that if you mix some chemicals, expose it to UV light or sunshine or, you know, in some way make an exposure um, and then develop it then you'll get something that comes out of it. It may be good, it may be bad, it doesn't really matter. It's just about the fact that by using some of these really simple processes, you can create something very creative or very artistic or just experiment generally. Um, The ones I tend to use a lot are cyanotypes. Um, I use those uh, both as photograms, but also as cyanotype from negative as well. Um, I tend to start with using the photogram side of things because that's really simple really easy for everybody to understand and because I work with um, such a huge range of ages I mean literally from sort of um, four years up upwards really um, then you know up to up to 104 you know it's uh, what I find really lovely about that and the reason I gravitate towards it is because it's so accessible and it's so simple for everybody to get actually a really in almost instant result um obviously slightly less instant in the uk because we have much less sun than you guys do <laughs> um but you know to all intents and purposes it's it's kind of almost like instant photography it's like if you mix these chemicals put it on paper or on fabric or what have you 
um, lay some objects on top of it, uh, expose it to light, and then after it's made its exposure, change color, take those objects off, wash it, you've fixed it. It's like you've got something tangible that you can then take away with you or make into something else. You know, if it's on fabric, you could always then use that as a starting point for creating something else, or you could frame it, give it away, whatever you want to do. I just think there's so many possibilities. Um, so that's one of the main reasons I love alternative processes because of um, how how appealing they can be to such a wide range of people. Um, and uh, the uh, the other, um, I'm just trying to think if there was sort of like another reason sort of behind it. I think it's it's mainly just to try and try and sort of like show that there are so many uh, so many things you can do because you know if you think about uh, infrared or you know film souping all of these kinds of processes it's all about getting a bit messy having some fun trying something that's slightly unusual out um, and everybody the things that they create from all of these processes are all very different and I just find that really fascinating as well because um, if you give one person uh, you know cyanotype paper or the chemistry or if you you know give somebody a recipe for su- souping a film let's say um one person's going to interpret it in a slightly different way from somebody else um depending on the ingredients that you've got or using caffeinol etc that kind of stuff so um i just think there's such a lot of scope to it and that's the reason those are the reasons i use it and uh, i really enjoy it nice yeah, you work. Did with, that answer uh, the question? Okay. Oh, absolutely. All right? absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That was a great answer. You work with uh, with children quite a bit. So, uh, yeah. uh, do you think, like, if you were trying to, I don't know, uh, get children interested into photography, do you think the fact mm-hmm. that the processes you're using with them, being analog and being a little bit like getting your hands dirty, and uh, would is something that they respond to more than say if you were just handing them a digital camera and like say telling them about you know I don't know like composition or whatever you think it's it's more of a sure. something that attracts I children. Mean, I, uh, I think it, it does depend on the age range, but but uh, in terms of if you were handing them a digital camera and talking to them about composition, that's something that can be really appealing and can be really valuable to somebody who's that little bit older and has a bit more of a concept of how to use that. Um, but the lovely thing about let's say cyanotypes and those kinds of alternative processes is that you can literally show them the result whatever age you know so if they are really young they can still see how this works mm-hmm. as long as you talk them through it and say this is what's happening because otherwise it's like wow that's amazing but i don't understand so it's just <laughs> nice to be able to go well this reacts with this changes this and therefore you end up with this and it's kind of just a really nice way of doing that and and i think like you say um that is part of the appeal of it um i mean the other thing we have to remember is that for a whole generation mm-hmm. of of people and and you know kids and what have you now they've never come across this before like alternative sorry like analog and mm-hmm. uh, an alternative is something that they've is is new you know it's almost it's new technology to them <laughs> rather than mm-hmm. old technology because they've only ever seen phones and tablets and computers and digital cameras you know that's the only way they've consumed or taken or created images so this is actually a new technology a new process to them and anything that's new is going to appeal to you know 
the curiosity i think uh, that's inside all of us that sometimes we lose a little bit as we grow up but i guess i'm just a big kid at heart <laughs> <laughs> so i just like being able to go yeah let's let's do this if you mix this with this it might work it might not let's try it out and see you know absolutely i think yeah uh, kids these days <laughs> <laughs> that sort of sound like an old man, didn't it? Kids I know. These I was days. Like, I'm trying to not say it like that because it makes me sound so old. <laughs> but I suppose you know, uh, Andre, what do you think? <laughs> no, I think it's it's fantastic. Um, I've seen a lot of of cyanotype materials at Freestyle Photo, which is just a, a few short blocks away from the Sinistil office. Uh, I've gotten the chance to you know deliver film and chemicals to them uh, a few times this summer. And every time that I'm in there, I'm, I'm just kind of going through the <laughs> the aisles of this huge, like, basically analog-only retailer mm-hmm. and just marveling at all the things. And every time I pass by the cyanotype stuff, I keep thinking, ah, oh, there's so much light here in California. I just need to, to pick up a, a kit and, and do something with it. But I, mm-hmm. I never know what to, to do because I've done some uh, some pictograms uh, in the darkroom just with mm-hmm. with you know, Ilford paper. Black and, and white paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, black yeah. and white paper and just, you know, exposing it to to light from the enlarger and mm-hmm. putting some stuff on uh, on the paper just to kind of block out that light. But what I'm really interested in, Rachel, is uh, making cyanotypes from uh, negative. So uh, mm-hmm. Greg Opst actually has a question about that. He's saying, mm-hmm. I'd like to know specific to her cyanotype work, whether she shoots with that process in mind or she picks resulting negatives afterward that might look good as a cyanotype. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, um, it depend. It does depend. Um, I've done both. I've, I've shot um, images before and then afterwards gone, oh, I'll print it, I'll print it up in the dark room and then gone, ah, actually that is going to look really nice as a cyanotype, as a blue and white print with all the, with all the lovely blue tones and, and what have you that you can get from it. Um, the, generally I would, uh, generally I would shoot with it specifically in mind that it's a negative I'm going to then use to create cyanotypes from. And that's just how I approach it. Uh, the, uh, I did I did a project in in Birmingham um, which I talked about on Sunday 16. I hope you don't. I hope I'm not repeating myself too much <laughs> if if I talk you through it as well. Is that okay? That's fine. Yeah. It. Okay. Um, so there was a, a project that it was a commercial uh, uh, piece of um, project that I was asked to come in as um, an artist to deliver um, deliver basically some final. Uh, artwork for for a commercial client that was going to be on five different floors of a uh, building in the center of um, uh, a city a place called Birmingham in the UK and it the, the final images were going to be huge sort of like three meters by like two meters and what have you which is the biggest sort of images I've I've sort of created before so equally terrifying and kind of like cool it's like oh well I've got a lot of scope to try stuff with this and actually what I went to them with because I'm uh, part of a sort of I have a membership to a local independent artists agency and so they send when they get requests in from clients they send that round to everybody who's part of their membership and say we've had this um if you'd like to submit uh, a proposal then it needs to be done by this day and it, it'll ask you for the rest of the information that you need to send in 
So this particular project, I thought, well, this sounds like this would be a fun challenge. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll give it a go. So I'd submitted um, to to them uh, with a proposal, which was um, shooting with um, pinhole, large format pinhole, and then basically um, also using the cyanotype process because with it being a building, um, I, w- I really wanted to show the layering of old and new techniques and um, the idea of these images I was going to take using the pinhole camera from the rooftop, <clears throat> which was my thought to take those from the rooftop of the skyline as it is capturing that moment in time, but using a, obviously a very old traditional technique using using pinhole, um, but then also sort of layering that up with the blueprints of the building itself so that it would be kind of like a, a, a two-layered sort of image in the end. So I got there. Um, their blueprint plans their floor plans and what have you and I made uh, the uh, basically I shot uh, using a pinhole large format four by five camera um, set up like a little pop-up dark room on site in their maintenance office turned out there were loads of bloody green lights which was really annoying (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I ended up having to like stick about six different layers of blackout stuff all over it was a it was a nightmare Um, but I did manage to set up this little um a little pop-up dark room on site because I was literally going up, you know, scaling the side of the building almost, you know, on ladders. I'm not great with heights anyway to try and get up onto the rooftop. And um, so that was a big challenge anyway. And sort of each image I was taking, because I was doing this in November as well, um, so it's freezing cold, really windy, and obviously in terms of daylight, I had like three hours of daylight a day to work with pretty much. Um, and each of my... Uh, pinhole images that I was taking which took me probably 30 minutes sort of start to finish to actually load the camera up get it set up ready make the exposure itself because that would be a few minutes then obviously shut the shutter get it back into the data bag and then obviously take that piece of film out put a new piece in so the whole process was quite long and laborious um but it was but actually seeing them kind of like come to life in the public dark room was just brilliant I loved I love seeing those. Um, I, uh, I had several disasters at the beginning and things that just did not work at all. And uh, I was at that point going, thank goodness, I decided to stay on site. <laughs> uh, well, within the city, because otherwise it would have been trip, you know, backwards or up and down the country sort of thing um, would have been a lot more difficult. So it meant that at least I got to the point where I knew what was working and what wouldn't work quite quickly. And then I could use those three hours of daylight in a bit more of an economical way uh, and a product more of a productive way and so i shot those specifically specifically knowing that i was going to use those negatives to create cyanotypes from uh, for this particular piece of artwork for this commercial commercial project so there we go very wow. very cool that now in the... terms of the actual negative i would assume that you know bigger is better because you're essentially doing right like essentially a contact print mm-hmm. right you're just laying mm-hmm. the negative onto the piece of, of coated paper and then just exposing yeah. that to, to UV? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, again, it's like I was saying with doing the pop-up dark room, it's, it's just down, for me, it's just down to experimenting and testing it out because different um, paper textures, um, it depends on how long you've had the chemicals, when you've mixed the chemicals, um, where you've got those from originally, if you're doing it yourself raw or if you're doing it from a kit, um, the paper that you're actually putting it on, whether you want to go for a lot of texture or not a lot of texture, 
um, all of these things, um, and, and obviously the amount of UV light, whether you're using actual sunshine or UV lamp, um, because again, being the UK and being in November when I was doing it, um, I was getting different results depending on whether I was using the lamp that I also use or actual sunshine. Um, so yeah, it's literally just down to experimenting with the amount of exposure time and all of those other variables to get something that you feel like, yeah, that works for, that works for me for that particular project. And and again, you might want the slightly, slightly lighter blue, you might want a slightly darker blue, depending on the project and the final um, product that you're trying to create um there's um a, a lady who i know called leah elm she um uh, she kind of came and worked with me on a uh, one of my sort of like workshop projects up in liverpool uh bless her she like drove i think like three hours up the or maybe more up the most way to come and, and sort of assist me on that and she works a lot with cyanotype as well and she does some beautiful she does some beautiful work too uh, i see some amazing stuff online and it's and um and i think actually uh, th like this week there was a, a really cool quote that uh, i saw come up um which is about just trying to make sure you sort of stay true to yourself in a way and not worry about what everybody else is doing because photography is not a sport <laughs> there's no rules you know um and i you know it's easier said than done i know but um but i try and kind of go with that keep that ethos in mind of experimenting practicing trying things out and sort of um trying to know that actually whatever i'm creating is going to be unique and different you know in whatever way and whatever anybody's doing in terms of using negatives or doing it as photograms i'd just say my my you know advice is just experiment practice try it out and just keep on testing until you get to the effect that you want nice. absolutely yeah i like the uh the photography is not a sport thing uh, i i mm -hmm. participated in an art show a couple of weeks ago and when i first every time i do one of those i when i first set up there's this sort of <laughs> I don't know, nervous sort of butterflies filling in your stomach, like, oh gosh, everybody can see all my work. It's, I might as well be uh, standing here uh, naked, but because uh, like it's it's it's, it's kind really of vulnerable, isn't it? Like yes. to be to put your work into an exhibition. I mean, you know, hat off to you, Mike. You know, it's it's really hard doing it that. Is. I it find is. it really tough. It's it's and it's like you know, but you do have to kind of look at it like, well, you know, this is. This is my work. People are either going to like mm. it or not like it, but mm. uh, you know, it's uh, it's all you can do is put yourself out there and and uh, and just uh, it, I, I don't know I don't know where I'm going with this, but just try to not not be so intimidated by it and not not really care what people think about it, even though you're putting mm. it on display mm. in an exhibition or, or an art show or whatever. Uh, you kind of have to not care if people don't respond to it. It's your work, and mm -hmm. you just need to be proud of it and embrace it. And whether people like it or not, you know, this is uh, your passion, and um, yeah. you just have fun with it. And I think that's uh, the key yeah. is having fun with it. So, and it sounds like these a lot of these alternative processes are a lot of fun. So, <laughs> I oh think yeah, it's a, definitely. Uh, is it something that either of you have dealt with a lot? Have done a lot of. I mean, the most alternative thing that I've done is is caffeinol, uh, which mm -hmm. I actually really enjoy. I've, I've gotten yeah. down to uh, a recipe that, you know, in addition to your just your your standard vitamin C, instant coffee, and washing soda, mm -hmm. I use um, potassium bromide, which mm -hmm. uh, reduces some of that base fog and, and yields some very very you know clear negatives that both scan and print you know amazingly well. 
I did a, a small little project for my film photography class where I shot some portraits uh, of my friend in a coffee shop, very kind of coffee yes. shop themed. That one. That oh, they were Kavanaugh. lovely. Yeah. yeah. Now, what I would really like to do at some point is to print those on fiber paper and then see if I can uh, tone the paper with uh, with coffee grounds. But mm. that's an experiment for for another day. Mm. It's uh, funny you saying about that. Those. Um, you know, sometimes life takes us in these weird, weird sort of like journeys and things, doesn't it? But um, there was a conversation I was having with somebody who I met at a random sort of creative group. And uh, it turns out that she worked for a university in sort of like administration, but she also um, ran a coffee shop and um, she was looking at setting up like a coffee festival. And I just thought, oh, brilliant. There's There's always ways of making connections with people and something like that, I thought, fantastic we should you know we should get together and discuss how i could you know create some coffee photos for you or something so yeah yeah if you if you'd like my my caffeinol recipe rachel Mm. i can send it over to you it works really really well i would love to try it out thank you so much uh, andre that's really nice of you it's like sending over your grandma's special ravioli (laughs) recipe (laughs) Sorry, Mike. Um, oh, there we go. Yeah, no, yeah. that would be wonderful. Thank you so much. I'd love to uh, love to give that a go. I just hope that you can find, you know, classic American Folgers instant coffee in the UK. <laughs> but at the very, at the very least, the uh, you know the specific quantities of the washing yeah. soda and potassium bromide should be a huge help for the actual, you know, uh, stability of the whole recipe. Then you can play around with the actual instant coffee you use and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and see what results you like. Well, that's ex- basically you said exactly what I was trying to get at, and I didn't. I don't think I explained very well. But that idea of if you just change one little variable at a time, you'll eventually get to that particular recipe that makes sense for you and for that particular project. And it might be that each time you you do something, you have to tweak that slightly, but it will give you a sort of starting point. And uh, and yeah, and that's something again you can share or pass on to other people as well, which is which is all part of why we do this. I think right, it's part of being that part of that community as well um and helping other people to go oh this is a a problem that i found and this is how i've overcome it or this has worked really well for me or you know that kind of thing um i'm a big one for you know that i think uh, i think we do that really well actually as a uh, analog photography community Mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah and i definitely want to get a a UV lamp at some point. Not that California is lacking in in sunshine, but when I go back to North Carolina, it's definitely you know a little the the weather is a little bit more temperamental. I'm just a little bit worried that searching for UV lamps on Amazon is going to put me on some government list because they might think I'm trying to grow <laughs> grow well, some some devil's lettuce. You see, when when oh, devil's lettuce, that's amazing. I've not heard it called that before. That's great. Um, the yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't want to end up looking at what I've ended up searching for in a way because it's it's things like obviously UV lamps and uh, blackout blinds and um, pop up um, uh, grow bag kind of like ten things. Oh yeah, you're you're <laughs> definitely on a list, Rachel. Oh my god, I am, aren't I? I so am. Oh shit. Oh sorry, <laughs> I just totally swore. Sorry, you will have to That's edit a, me out. Oh, right. <laughs> no, we don't edit. We don't edit. It's as if you've never listened to our podcast. Oh no, it's terrible. And you thought I was going to bring sophistication, Mike? How wrong <laughs> you were. Yeah, as far as uh, I, I see, I think we were asking what was we talking about? Alternative processes, right? Like whether mm-hmm. we've done it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, I have not done a whole lot of it. 
my uh, I guess my version of alternative processing type stuff would be uh, taking cheap cameras and uh, screwing them up and, uh, <laughs> and like I used to take <laughs> single use cameras and 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 do uh, some strange things to the lenses and stuff like that and as that's about as alternative process I ever got other than I used to do a lot of uh, uh, Polaroid transfers back when, when uh, uh, with the Polaroid peel apart film but I haven't been as successful with that with the Fuji peel apart and that stuff's too expensive to keep uh, uh, messing around with uh, and not getting good results but the old Polaroid peel apart film man it used to transfer so nicely have you ever tried mm-hmm. uh, any of the Polaroid uh, uh, alternative processes Rachel? Um, I've not really done like um, I've not really done things like the emotion lifts and things. Mm. That's something that again, I mean, there's just so many to try, and it, it, you know, all the time I'm like, oh, that's something new and looks fun and interesting, and I want to do it all. But seriously, there's just doesn't ever seem to be enough time, and you know, I've, I know we're, we're going to come on to this anyway, but running running your own business and and trying to like make that work you're you literally have to be everything to you know in every single different way and one of the main challenges of that is actually balancing out time to time to work on these other things that you want to do um to actually spend time on experimenting and trying out new processes so that therefore you can take that forward um it's a it's a big challenge so again like you know you were talking about polaroid and and uh, those processes it's not really something i've just had time to to look into um but they look amazing the sorts of things you can do with them very cool very cool um i never actually had chance to shoot any of the the Fuji um, uh, peel apart before, and uh, there's a lady uh, called Hilary Clark who's also part of the uh, analog photography community and lives not too far away from from me as well. And she's she was so kind and again really generous. And she basically gave me one of her old Lang cameras and um, some packs of that uh, film and was like, right, you've not had a chance to shoot this, and just gave them to me. And I just thought that's so lovely, so that I could have a go and try it out. Um, and I had so much fun with that. It's it's again, it's it's sort of taking it to that next level of there being something that's really physical because you kind of have to like really like pull these sheets out you know you have to be quite Mm -hmm. physical about you shoot it everything's clunky and you know (laughs) when you prep you've got to like cock the shutter for this and you press that and everything makes a good noise you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then you're kind of wrestling with it trying to get the the actual piece out of film out it's brilliant i love it it's uh it's very uh, very manual. I think that's uh, what appeals to to me about that. Um, but yeah, I, um, sorry, Mike, I haven't really seen any of your uh, your Polaroid work. I, I will have to have a look and see. Yeah, have you shared much of it? Well, yeah, it's deep, uh, buried deep in my Instagram. It was uh, I did okay. a, a bunch of uh, mostly just transfers, uh, and then of course some mm-hmm. normal Polaroid uh, work with like expired Polaroid film. But um, the transfers are pretty far back, I guess, on my page. I did them. Well, when uh, Polaroid was still making pack film, that's how long ago that's been. Yeah. And uh, I tried it recently with the Fuji pack film, and I kind of mm. wasted two packs and didn't get any results I really uh. liked. I couldn't get it to transfer as well as the uh, the Polaroid used to. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's just too expensive nowadays to, to keep wasted packs trying to perfect my process with the Fuji pill apart. So uh, I just decided yeah. my days of transfers are, I'm, I'm retired from that game, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, but um, yeah, I still have like 20 something packs of the Fuji pack film that I, 
uh-huh. or the pill apart film. Amazing. That, yeah, stocked up. Yeah, on. but you're right. I mean, that's the thing. The, the more rare these things become, the, the more difficult. I mean, setting aside the financial side of things, because obviously it is expensive. Um, mm-hmm. But even even without that, you know, the rarity of it and and ha- um you get more worried <laughs> the further yeah. into that pack of film you get and it's like i'm still not getting anything or this isn't working right. it, yeah it stresses me out so um so i can i can fully appreciate what you what you're saying with that but you never know i mean i'm still i still keep my fingers crossed and my hopes high for maybe somebody bringing out a new yeah peel apart film you know like new 55 we're mm-hmm. trying to do etc you know we will see i guess uh, andre anything from cine still maybe <laughs> uh, not not exactly in in that uh, <laughs> realm of things. Uh, we're 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 probably going to be sticking to to you know more traditional film not types sure. for the time. I'm only, being. I was only kidding, really, but yeah. but you know, uh, let's let's keep fingers crossed, eh? Yeah. Never know. Absolutely. But I don't I don't mean to rail too hard on on digital, but you know, yes, there are different things that you can do with with you know post processing. You know, starting off with a raw image and doing a bunch of you know, crazy shit to it to to make it look different. But I mean, when you when you compare the almost you know ubiquity of of you know digital camera designs, the the standardized format of raw files, and you know then like the in comparison, much you know fewer choices you have with post processing to all of the different types of cameras, film formats. Every single emulsion is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many different processes for actually, you know, developing the uh, the film, and then for you know, you know, making that negative into some you know final image. Uh, I I don't I don't you know understand why some you know digital shooters you know look so much kind of down on on film because for me it's. It's it offers so many creative opportunities, and I just want to show people how, you know, mm. film isn't just your 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 you know your your dad's old you know thirty five millimeter point and shoot that produced super you know low quality grainy color images once mm-hmm. a year when he whipped it out at Christmas. So, yeah. but maybe that's been their only experience with it, you know. Yep. And and they've never had anybody to teach them or show them or tell them that it could be something so much more or so much different from that or so different from that. And and I think that it kind of makes me a bit sad that, you know, there's so many people in the world who've never had an experience like that, who've never experienced that kind of thing. And it's like, oh my goodness, there's so there's so much out there that you can you can try and you can do. And so yeah, I, I just sort of feel like, oh, I think again, you know, for me, the the post, I just, I'd so much rather be out shooting. I'd so much rather be out enjoying that shooting experience um, in the time that I'm actually at that part of the process, the shooting part of the process, than the post production side, you know, of digital, because it's just, it's very clinical, and for, for me, it just, it's like, well, there's, there's not really much. That I can do there, you know. It's uh, yeah. It feels a little bit soulless. That that sort of side of it. Definitely. Really. So yeah. I mean, I was, I, one yeah. thing that I did forget to to mention on the, you know, what did I do? I think it was the day before I left for Laguna Beach for Fourth of July. I was actually, you know, taking a day to spend a few hours doing some pinhole photography out on Hollywood Boulevard uh, mm-hmm. with my beautiful. 
you know, lacquer finished uh, teak wood and, and brass zero image six by nine that mm -hmm. the illustrious Corey Cannon of the Lensless podcast sold to me. Oh, uh, and okay. so I'm up there on Hollywood Boulevard with a bunch of people walking around with their, you know, tourists with their DSLRs and you, know, you could tell a few probably you know students or young filmmakers walking around with their with their uh, you know their video cameras mm -hmm. that were stopping me as I have this tripod with this wooden box and a cable release uh, you know set up taking pictures saying like what is that mm -hmm. so yeah absolutely it, I it, just it, I just took uh, that as an opportunity to to educate people yeah fantastic that's so good Andre to hear that I love that that's that's really you know what I do because you may have been able to tell I, I talk quite a lot <laughs> and I, I talk very fast as well I'm like this is brilliant why aren't you doing this <laughs> so uh, yeah so people generally run away from me looking a little bit shell-shocked but <laughs> I'll always take an opportunity to uh, to tell them where they're going wrong um no I'm only joking uh but yeah to, well just to sort of say you know there's other opportunities out there you know it doesn't always have to be that but you know, the, the fantastic thing about digital is, you know, it's speed in the, you know, you can you can shoot as many as you like, really. And it gives you that opportunity to uh, to capture um, all the moments that you might possibly ever want to or could possibly ever dream of. And even more than that, uh, which is both a, a blessing and a curse, you know, again, because it, again, it depends on the on what it is that you're shooting that for. If you're shooting as a commercial uh, photographer doing an event or doing a wedding or all of these kinds of things then you know digital makes sense in that environment um, but I think we live in such a fantastic era because we actually have the option of all of these things and I think it's just about not being blinkered to all of the other options that are out there really. Yeah, I fully admit I have to make a, uh, a confession that uh, in a week from now we're going on a beach vacation and I am actually going to have to dust off my digital SLR for uh, basically for family beach portraits because mm -hmm. I have to set it on a tripod, turn on the self-timer, and then run and jump mm -hmm. in the frame to get the whole family in there. And with film, that would be difficult because I wouldn't be able to mm -hmm. make sure that I didn't cut my head off or... Uh, yeah. Mike, so, are you yeah. telling me that none of your fancy schmancy Pentax cameras that you go on about doesn't have a goddamn self-timer? <laughs> no, they have a self-timer, but like, have you ever tried to frame up four people uh, in, like, in a group shot, like a nice yes. kind of tight portrait, and then jump <laughs> into the frame and not cut an arm or a head off? I mean, it's hard for me to judge my uh you know my height and and of course sometimes my muscles kind of get out of the frame because you know and, uh, so no, see here's here's what you do mike you know you you set up the you know the the camera frame it roughly and if you're not confident in your own you know uh ability or, or lack thereof to to do it with a self-timer you wait for a nice you know floridian to walk by and you ask them you know see how it's framed right here with the tripod would you mind just making sure that nobody's you know head is cut off or arms are cut off or or beer bellies are cut off um <laughs> and then just fire the shutter and because it's a pentax camera that nice floridian is never going to want to run off and steal it Oh, well, they wouldn't. They wouldn't want to steal my six seven. I'm sure that would be hard. I could catch them if they tried to steal that. But I, <laughs> I did have uh, an experience outside um, a library um, in one of the slightly rougher areas, shall we say, perhaps um, 
around around here and the the one of the security guards who was who was sort of like there was like oh my god you can't leave you can't leave something there on, on the tripod i was like it's literally a black box it was my pinhole camera i was like if they run <laughs> off with it they are not going to be able to do anything with it <laughs> it was pretty hilarious and he was like no 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 i was like seriously this is what it is and i took it apart and showed him and he was like that's just a black box i was like yep but it has a hole in it <laughs> it'll take a photo <laughs> but yeah it was pretty funny well, i could just far... i just thought it would be quite hilarious if somebody did actually steal that and then was like there's this amazing camera this huge camera on a tripod and i i nicked it and then got home <laughs> like what the fuck is this <laughs> they wouldn't even know what to what to what to google to i know, I, know. I love it uh well I should, anyway, I should... sorry that was a bit off the, off the no point, no that was perfect perfectly on topic but uh i should say <laughs> that like you know a lot of people shoot digital that are getting paid it's a paid gig so they feel better shooting digital to make sure they get the shot well um if you understood the importance of these family portraits to my wife uh on these beach vacations you would understand this is the, the pressure is as high as a paid shoot on <laughs> on delivering sure, the sure. goods <laughs> like i i don't i'm not at all judging on that because yeah i mean it's, it's it could be really stressful you know and uh, uh, you want you want to make sure that you get these shots and I, I do completely understand that and again you know you're using the right tool for that particular job for that project for that paid gig <laughs> um, <laughs> it means that you're going to get the shots for the client your wife so uh, you know go for it <laughs> no, don't worry Mike I'm judging I'll have a talk with your wife and, and, and set her straight <laughs> I think this woman has enough to put up with to be fair considering <laughs> the photo that I got in the chat earlier I, I make sure that she has get some at least some nice photos as uh, compensation. <laughs> I don't I don't know what you're all talking about. Uh, you must have been my must have been my evil twin brother. You guys are talking uh, about maybe Giga. Mike. Yeah. Do you have a USA you know shaped like anti sunburn on your chest now? <laughs> Can I just say I was I was thinking about this before and I was like Mike is literally going to be his own cyanotype. He's going to be his own. <laughs> <laughs> But like a tea-toned, presumably, cyanotype. Oh, but, more like uh, lobster red. Okay, a lobster red cyanotype. But I was like, that's 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 how it works. So, you know, when I talk to kids about it, I'm like, remember, what do you put on your skin if you go on holiday? Or, you know, because obviously to us, we don't normally have sunshine. So I guess you guys probably use it all the time. But for us, it's when you go away for that one week <laughs> a year, you know, you might put this on your skin um and uh and, and it's the same kind of like idea and it's just sort of explaining it in uh you know in another context that they would understand it's like well then it's it's a chemical reaction that happens within your skin you know uh that creates a reaction with the with the uva uvb uh rays and stuff so uh that's always quite an interesting way of going and then they go oh okay i get it well for those that may not know what the heck we're talking about, there was a video uh, that I posted on 4th of July and uh, just showing that, you know, I have really good dance moves and an incredible physique. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and is this the I, muscles again? <laughs> and uh, this I is the put... beer belly dad bod. <laughs> uh, uh, Mike, I've missed this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll have to check it. <laughs> so the... I put uh, I was putting sunscreen on because I tend to burn. Uh, I never tan. I just burn basically. So I put in sunscreen. Being it was Independence Day, the Fourth of July, I put USA and sunscreen on my chest, and uh, 
did a little 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 American dance, and it's becoming all the all the rage, all the sensation across the country as kids are uh, learning this dance. And um, and then after the words, I did rub in the said Mike. sunscreen. <laughs> Have you gone viral? <laughs> he wishes. <laughs> But, I like that the sunscreen was actually applied almost like you might apply, you know, mayonnaise to a burger or something. <laughs> it was just sort of like squirted out the bottle onto it. <laughs> well, uh, uh, yeah. I did eventually rub it in. And trust me, that was way more sunscreen than I needed for that area of my body because it took about about half hour to rub all that in. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, you decided yeah. to be cheeky and this is what you got. <laughs> Well, you know, so I got sent this photo, listeners. Just so you know, I was I was sent this photo, not the video. I will have to check the video, but um, or maybe not. No, you you need you need the motion as well to get the full horrifying effect. (laughs) And with that, folks, how about we take another little break? Yes, absolutely. Actually, there was one other. uh, You didn't finish thing with uh, Greg. Oh, yeah. Could you finish that, and then we'll do the break. Uh, What was it? Oh, yes. He's asked if I ever do T-toning the cyanotypes. Yeah. Um, This will be really quick because it's not something I've done. There we go. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> um, I uh, I actually I really love the, the blue and white that you get from the cyanotype. So I tend to stick with that. But again, as I did mention before, you know, it's it's something that it's just, again, down to down to time and uh, and actually experimenting, playing around with that a bit more. For a particular project, I definitely wouldn't be, I would, you know, I'd be up for that. You know, if somebody was like, oh, want to see how that looks or if I ever had specifically time to go, I'm going to, I'm going to try T-toning. I'm really sorry. It sounds like Greg maybe does uh, quite a bit of that himself. Uh, so I'm afraid I have, I have no, um, uh, no advice or or uh, or anything on that part of the process, I'm afraid. Uh, but I have seen some beautiful beautiful ones that have been done. Uh, they look really cool. So uh, yeah, sorry, Greg. Um, and there we go. I guess that's our break. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm assuming the tea toning would uh, knock. I mean, I guess it would make it take it less blue and more brownish. I guess if you did that, is that the whole point mm-hmm. of it? I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we got more questions to answer on the uh, from the Facebook group thread that we started about having Rachel on, and uh, we'll get to those in the next segment. We're going to take a little break, and uh, we shall be right back. All right, folks, we're back from our break, and we have somehow managed not to scare Rachel off. She is still on here with us, so uh, I think <laughs> that we will continue with the questions on the uh, Facebook group, the topics that uh, uh, many of the members of the uh, Negative Positives Facebook group have put up for us to talk uh, with Rachel about. Uh, the first one, uh, well, not the first one, but the next one we're going to get to is from uh, Zvain Olav Humberset, and I... I really hope that I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He hasn't 
uh, sent me any messages saying I'm saying it wrong. So I, maybe I'm maybe I'm nailing it. But uh, <laughs> he uh, says, I really want to know how it has been trying to survive full time and photography. I have tried myself since January of 2017, and I'm on the edge of having to find a job. All the lessons one needs to learn on the way to making profit makes it difficult. And number two, how does she find balancing work she loves versus work that brings profit? Wow, that's a that's a that's a that's a heavy hitter. It's deep. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really good question. Uh, so, and to to be totally honest, it's something that I am very much still in the middle of working out, and I'm sure I will be probably for the whole of the, the time that I'm doing this. Um, we ne- and we never know, do we? We never know what the future is going to bring. So there could be other curveballs that come out, and you, you just have to adapt to it. I think my biggest um, sort of bit of advice is to be flexible and to be diverse. So for me, those are the those are probably the main two things that I found have helped me survive um, in in running my business as a. Um, not even just a photography business, an analog photography business or a hybrid photography business, which is even more niche, you know. Um, and just to say that, you know, don't believe Instagram, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> life's not like that. There's all the other crap that comes with it, unfortunately, that you don't see behind the scenes that people, people just put up pretty pictures sometimes that are not necessarily what real life is and the real situation is like actually before we um uh before we started recording we were chatting weren't we um andre about we asked me about the space where i have uh my office now and we were we were discussing you know i was just sort of saying how i got to that point where literally we were going to lose the house and we didn't have any money at all and it had been five months since I'd had a single invoice come in and we didn't know how to feed the dog all sorts of horrible things like that so which is really which is really tough you know and it and it does does take its toll it's um there's been lots of uh literally you know blood sweat and tears over over trying to make this work but you know on the flip side of that I don't want it to sound like really depressing and really really down because this is honestly like honestly the happiest happiest I've ever been with my career and what I'm doing and I absolutely love what I'm doing it's um it's just a challenge and uh yeah I guess like I say that the main things are being open to things uh being flexible being diverse and not sort of sitting there and waiting for opportunities to come to you sometimes you just have well I would say most of the time you have to go out there and create those opportunities, have conversations with people, even if they don't want to talk to you, <laughs> talk to them. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, you never know where those conversations are going to lead. So the the thing that happened to me was that um, things, that I, you know, conversations I was having or people I was just talking to 18 months ago, two years ago, you know, a year ago, suddenly kind of blossomed into a job or into a project or into a commission or or what have you so it's not it's you kind of have to be in it for the longer term in a way um it sounds like he's on the edge of having to find a job now also that doesn't mean that you've failed Sven either you know Mm -hmm. that is completely not about don't ever feel like that because you've given it a go and you've been super brave doing this because it is really hard making it work and making it work as a full-time job as well um and 
you know, don't ever feel like you failed, you've given it a shot, which is a hell of a lot more than a lot of people do. Um, a lot of the time, what holds us back is the fear of, of failure or the fear of it not working out. But at the end of the day, if you've not tried, then you don't know. Um, and if you can at least enjoy it to a certain extent whilst you're having a go at it at making that work then you've really achieved something so uh, I think that's that's something you definitely need to like keep keep in mind um and yeah as I was saying we were chatting before Andre and myself about the maker space in Liverpool and uh basically I I got to that point where I was just I was literally just in tears most nights because I was just thinking how am I going to make this work and uh, I saw a post come up on, um, uh, sort of, I think it was just on Facebook or something or on Twitter, um, that was for makers. So again, the reason that this came about was because I involved myself in those communities, even if it was just on Twitter or on Facebook. I was following organisations that I thought might be um, in whatever tangential way related to what I was doing. Um, so then you can see what they're talking about and what comes up and that you see posts like I saw, which was uh, we're running what they called desk residency that you can apply for. And it was basically to have a space like a bit like where you might do some hot desking, what we would call hot desking um, for six months. And uh, so I applied and I like I say, I'd been turned down and had so much rejection for the last like five months. I just thought nothing's going to happen with this at all. And uh, and yeah, they rang me up and said, oh, we really like what you're doing. You've got the right kind of um, ethos behind it being an independent maker, creator, artist, whatever. Um, and would you like to come along, see the space and, and see whether it works for you? And I was just like, oh, my God, I don't care if it's like a shed somewhere. This would be perfect because at that point I was which kind of goes on to your question, too. How do you find balancing work um, and, and, you know, sort of life and things? It was it was difficult living and working in the house uh, and basically all of my time was all here. So actually having somewhere where I could pack my bag and leave the house and go somewhere else was really good for me and my mental state to be able to like go. Yep, uh, there was a bit of separation there between home life um, and work life. So it was brilliant. They they basically said, OK, well, um, yeah we like what you're doing we'll give you six months uh, free which is amazing uh, to do this um, and, and sort of basically just have that space there and I just took every opportunity that I had whilst I was there to meet other people who were also there other creative groups and people and um, businesses and just talk to them about what it was I did and listen to them, which is also a really key part of it, listen to what it was that they did to find out how I could potentially help uh, help them uh, by what I do. You know, so if, if it was doing workshops or taking some profile pictures for them for their website or whatever. Um, and a lot of the time it's been a case of, um, you know, working kind. So, uh, for example, there was a course I really wanted to go on to go on and do, but that I couldn't afford to do. So instead, I offered them a place on the next workshop that I was running, that kind of thing. Uh, it's about just being generally, I think, creative uh, about how you approach these things. And at the end of the day, like, what is the worst that can happen, really? You know, it's if yeah, if I, if I lost the house, then fine, you know, it, it's it's, you know, it that's not the be all and end all of of my life do you know what I mean and I kind of feel like actually 
it took me falling off a cliff and kind of because I ended up I got made redundant and uh, we had I had one month's pay um I'd already had like the idea of setting up something like little vintage photography but didn't know what it was going to be and uh and I kind of got to the point where it's like well it is sink or swim I'll just go for it and see what happens and and uh and yeah sort of kind of clawed my way along <laughs> um and by no means do I have all the answers at all and I get these you know really difficult periods of time where there is no jobs coming in, there are no jobs coming in but it kind of just in a way you just have to keep faith that actually those little conversations those little seeds that you plant that you plant will eventually bloom into something else and it's been amazing like an amazing roller coaster of a journey um uh, and what have you but yeah I'm sort of starting to see those things that I put in place at the beginning kind of come to fruition which is which is cool so uh, so yeah you've been going since I think he says January 2017 and that would make it about yeah like 18 months this was the point for my business where I had this like oh my god moment what am I doing this is not working and I just stuck with it gritted my teeth got through it um and yeah basically it sort of it started to snowball from that point so it's feeling much more positive now which is great but like i say you know who knows what the future will bring there could be other other things that mean that that doesn't continue in that in that way but i'll deal with it as as it comes up i guess and uh yeah we can only try best right <laughs> there we go that's my answer <laughs> wow that was uh that, that was a that was a great answer i think uh I don't know. It made me want to go out and start a business now. So, <laughs> hell yeah, do it. I mean, honestly, I think the this it's scarier to me. Like the idea of doing something for twenty, thirty, forty years of your life that you hate that feels so much more scary than <laughs> just going and setting up a business and doing something that you love. Yeah, it is scary. I'm, I'm 19 years into a factory job. I have 11 <laughs> years left till retirement in it. And yeah. uh, I'm counting the days already and I still have 11 years yeah. to go. But you know, it's, I'm too deep in now. I gotta, gotta get that uh, retirement. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I wish I, I, I wish I had the uh, courage back when I was younger and, you know, to take more risks. So I think that sure. uh, the big thing, uh, you know, if you have any uh, desire to work in uh, your whatever you're passionate about, uh, definitely take that opportunity because, uh, especially while you can and you're in a point in your life where you can, because mm -hmm. you're never going to regret at least trying to take that risk, you know, and because it may end up being successful. But if it's not, at least you won't have that nagging question that, well, I should have tried, you know. Yeah. And uh, so it's nice to see like... Uh, like our our very own Andre here, kind of pursuing uh, uh, his passion uh, as a as a, a possible source of his future income. So, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, I've been very supportive to Andre and uh, his endeavors on that. So, speaking yeah, of no, Andre, you you've been great about that, Mike. Uh, uh, what I will say to you know potentially the the young people out there listening uh, to this podcast, I wonder what our rating would be, um, <laughs> PG thirteen at least. Um, <laughs> But um, if, if you are interested in this area, there definitely is space for young people. I'm a very risk-averse uh, person, and even being a, a business major in, in college, I and not really thinking that my photography is anything to cry home about, uh, I would probably not go as far as, you know, to start my own business, but there's definitely lots of, you know, up-and-coming companies in this space that you can 
literally just do what I did. Uh, just send them emails. Do you have an internship program? You know, are you hiring? Uh, and try to get your your foot in the door. And if there is anybody that uh, that would like to potentially intern uh, for Sinistil in the future, let me know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's um. It, oh gosh, yeah. It's it's a difficult it's a difficult path. Um, but that's not to say, you know, that it's not balanced out by its rewards, I think. And and it also depends on your priorities and what your priorities are. And everybody's personal situation is completely different. Um, so, you know, it's not it's not to say don't stick with a really well-paid nine-to-five job or, you know, a late-shift job or, you know, any of these things that bring in the money that you need in order to survive and and have the life that you want to live um but you know also it's it's surprising how how little you can get by i mean part partly you know that's good in that i live in liverpool which was um a cheaper city uh all of these kinds of things um were, were reasons that i ended up moving here in the first place you know i'm like first in my family to go to university like most of the people i grew up with didn't ever leave the town you know that kind of thing so it's it's a different sort of situation but I kind of I thought maybe there's a different place that um would work for me creatively rather than staying sort of where I was um and yeah it is it can be really hard but it's surprising how much you can how much you can cut out if uh, if you really really need to like obviously getting made redundant meant there was no other option so to be honest, Andre, I think I probably wouldn't have, or, or Mike, whoever it was who, who mentioned it, I probably wouldn't have set up a business, you know, if if I hadn't literally been forced to in a way because I was applying for jobs left, right, centre, and I just didn't get any of them. I just couldn't get an interview to save my life. Mm. And I thought, what on earth am I going to do? I just, I just kind of had to go with the other options open to me, which were, well, let's give it a go and uh, and see and see what happens. So. Um, so yeah, so I probably wouldn't have actually made that decision. Um, I was sort of almost sort of forced into making that. It was made for me in a way. Um, but I'm so glad that I did. And literally, the only regret is that I didn't do it earlier. That is the only only regret. Like I feel like oh, there's so many. I could have done this for so many more years. But you know, at the other end of the at the end of the day, you can't. I can't change that. I'm really all the skills and other things that I've, I've, um, you know, acquired over the years of doing what I've been doing, let's say in higher education and in video production and all of these other kind of my background, if you like, have kind of almost led to me doing what I do now. And those skills have been brilliant in helping me to, you know, know how to design workshops and deliver them and all of those kinds of things so actually it's kind of led to the right point at the point that I needed it to be at um and uh, and yeah it's um I'd just say don't don't ever regret giving it a shot if that's something that you really want to do you might as well go for it and not everybody does that super early on either you know there is a point where you might go oh but you know I'm I'm not young enough to do that anymore I'm not 18 or whatever but so many people especially now um have what you might call a portfolio career or may change mid-career and do something completely different you know i have a friend who's a doctor but also works as a violin teacher you know and it's it's a completely different part of her life 
Um, but yeah, she does both of those jobs um, equally brilliantly. And uh, it's because it's something that she was really passionate about doing. So don't be afraid to do that, you know, in your 30s, 40s, 50s. It, do, it You know, it doesn't matter if when you make that decision, just make that decision and, and have a go. Try it out. Absolutely. Nice, nice. Well, uh, that was an awesome question. Um, and uh, mm. I, I don't really know how to follow up uh, other than uh, the, all the encouragement that Rachel has given as <laughs> I think uh, uh, maybe what somebody uh, needs to hear out there possibly. And uh, I, I just can't imagine how difficult it could be to try to make a living in photography right now. I'm sure it's a huge challenge, but uh, it's, uh, I, I, I think it's something that can be done. I think anytime you're passionate about something and it, with passion brings drive and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times all it takes is a little bit of that ambition and drive to uh, to uh, be successful not to say that everybody mm-hmm. with ambition and, dr- and drive is successful but it certainly helps uh, make that possibility uh, um, more uh, a chance I guess so yeah. Uh, yeah and and it makes that that um that period of time when you're actually trying to set this up more pleasant at least because if it's if you are at least doing something that you really care about (laughs) that makes a big difference it really does yeah awesome well uh we have a couple more little uh, things we need to get to um on this uh little group uh thread uh, the facebook group uh these are more like i think kind of quick hitters possibly and then we have a couple of they'll add add some levity to the recent you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know deep uh you know life life motivation right, right. Uh, question <laughs> yeah uh, have but, i missed my calling as a motivational coach right <laughs> there you go, there you go. Um, oh god i'd be so bad at that oh. actually i know i think actually there's no one listening to the podcast now they're all uh, have stopped listening and now are running out and starting their own businesses after that so Yay! Uh, yeah excellent <laughs> But, uh, Do you know that was one of the scariest things? There was um, somebody who um, who I knew who I <laughs> I gave an interview to, and I got a message uh, two months later saying, uh, "So after our interview, I went and quit my job, <laughs> and uh, and I was set up a bit. I was like, oh my god!" And she was like, "It's all your fault." But it was it was great. Like it actually ended up being really positive. And she's like a director of the. Um, uh, like Liverpool Girl Geeks and Innovate her company now and it's, they're doing amazing like national and international stuff and she's like it was the best decision I ever made so uh, yeah I was like oh, oh, that's a sigh of relief yeah it, well it was but absolutely I was I, I never realised I'd have quite that influence when she said that I was thinking oh my god but yeah brilliant so there you go nice. so, another success story so, there uh, you go alright alright so, uh, the, uh, get the first one, Mike. Yeah, this is just I'm going to tie these two together, and uh, uh, I think these should be quick hitters. But uh, first of all, uh, Sherry Christensen says, uh, uh, "What is her favorite part of shooting film?" And then Junior Wyatt asked, uh, "Are there any female photographers who have inspired you? If yes, who and how have they done so?" Hmm. Okay. Um, so female photographers who've inspired me, um, yes, loads, I mean loads, loads and loads and loads. And, and to be honest, I've always been so bad at, <laughs> at names. I kind of, I go, it's it, oh. like when I was learning the, the violin and things, I'd never remember composers' names. I'd just remember their pieces, mm-hmm. if you like. Uh, I just remember how they made me feel when I listened to their work. 
and I think it's a similar thing with photography for me it's about how I feel when I look at it or if I if I come across it and just go oh that's beautiful or what have you um yeah I generally find I I end up with less less space in my brain to to retain names as to who is potentially done that piece of work um so it's more about like a feel or a style that I'll come across and go oh that's lovely and um and then I'll follow them on Instagram uh in terms of female photographers who I would uh, say inspired me I'm really I just I'd say it's it's the people who who I know in the photography community in the analog photography community they they really inspire me like every day this incredible wealth of work that that people create and share and you know talk about I just think that's amazing so in a way I wouldn't want to pick anybody out in particular and I, I don't mean that to sound like a really cowardly answer it's not that I'm like you know but I just think in general we have so many fabulous artists um and a lot of the time people who I've spoken to on Sunny 16 or who I follow on Instagram or Twitter or um you know or who I've had on the underexposed podcast those are the people who really inspire me um and uh yeah it's it's been really wonderful kind of becoming part of that community and part of that um general you know sort of wealth of work and seeing seeing what people produce so um i wouldn't give any specific names if you like but um if if you'd like to know who inspires me and who is whose work it is that i follow uh then have a little look just at my instagram or um twitter feed really and you'll come across them yourself and hopefully you'll enjoy their work too that's a perfect answer. I, I hate. I, I would always. I've always dreaded being asked that question because, uh, uh, man, it is hard to like, especially when you're put on the spot. Like, it's hard to really come up mm. with because uh, there's so many uh, people I could consider influencers. I guess, but yeah, yeah. that's a tough question. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know, but uh, but it's a good question. But yeah, but but it's a tough. Yeah, one. it is. I was gonna say <laughs> thanks for the question. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and also, uh, you you do a great job of of you know influencing you know other young women in photography uh for those listeners who haven't yet listened to uh the sunny 16 podcast the uh i believe it's called underexposed now isn't it yeah. the, the little yeah. mini series that uh that rachel leads uh, that's focusing specifically on young female artists in the the analog uh, photography space has just been, you know, so great to listen to, and is so is so needed in uh, in this very largely male dominated uh, area of photography mm. in general. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and it's been it's been really lovely actually, just just sort of discovering more people who are passionate about the same sort of things that I'm passionate about, and I think that's that's always nice, isn't it? Because then you feel like they're people you can relate to we all have similar struggles and and things and um yeah in terms of uh being female as you say it can be a very male very male dominated um but that's not to say that we uh, we can't also uh, champion the things that that we do as as women as well and um and that's also down to also men like yourselves you know it, you know helping helping us give a give a, a voice to those who are slightly less heard shall we say so uh, so thank you very much for for having me on and it's just um more airtime 
for a female voice is always going to be something that I think is a useful, valuable thing. Even if you don't agree with what I'm saying, I think it's still in general um, useful to have have more of those female voices or images or perspectives um, out there. So, Definitely. Yeah. Plus a huge kudos to the listeners out there uh, with uh, with young daughters that are starting to, to get them into film photography. I know Mike Williams is is passing on his Minolta love to to his daughter. Mm. Um, Junior Wyatt's just had twins and is already shoving cameras into into <laughs> you know both of their hands. I met Toby um, Vanderveld, uh, if you know uh, Toby as well. Yep. Uh, I met his daughter Kitty. She's awesome, um, super super lovely, and um, I'm sure very talented uh, young lady as well. And um, uh, there's uh, obviously when I've been doing workshops and things, there's, there's other, uh, especially young young girls. I'm just trying to think actually. In terms of percentage of people that I that I teach or that I do workshops with. It does seem to be more women, actually. It definitely seems to be more hmm. more uh, more females, um, more females. That makes me sound like um, oh god, like a nature documentary, doesn't it? I hate <laughs> it when it, <laughs> when it ends up sounding like that. Uh, uh, yeah, that's like another well-known podcast. Um, no, we won't we won't talk about that at the moment. But uh, maybe off air, I'll, no, I'll let you know. That's just because they're they're much much smarter than than us men folk. <laughs> they realized the the amazingness of film photography much earlier than we have. Um, one of uh, one of my former students, actually, um, Suze, I'm going to be hopefully having her on a on a future underexposed um, uh, session to have a chat. And she went to become a DOP director of photography. And uh, again, you know, she's a woman in in a very male dominated industry in terms of the film industry um but she she works with digital yes but also with analog as well um but the role of being a director of photography or a dop is uh, you know it's a tiny percentage of women who do that so uh so yeah that'll be it'll be interesting to have a chat with her as well is she the one that you're uh putting in contact with kate hook hopefully yes yeah yeah that, um, that was so great to hear yeah. And, and again, you know, it's because actually when I was <clears throat> when I was at uni, I ended up getting, you know, given the the jobs that were seen as in, the, you know, air quotes, the the jobs that women do, you know, and it was like, seriously, this is like the 2000s. Come on. <laughs> um, so I uh, massively rebelled against that and thought, sod that. <laughs> I'll just teach myself then. Um, so uh, that was quite that was great fun because it felt like I had a bit of a superpower when they came back after the summer and I was like this is how you edit <laughs> this is how you shoot and they were like oh my god so uh, that was good fun made me feel better um, awesome. and uh, and yeah I, I was lucky enough actually to also have a female technician uh, who when she left said I, you know you should apply for the job uh, so I ended up running the technical department at the university for like seven years and I started with 150 students and by the time I finished I got like 650, 700 students and I taught them all like the practical video production, sound, editing, lighting, you know, all of that um, and that was a fantastic experience um, but, you know, it was it was quite unusual and it probably still is quite unusual for me to be a woman doing that in that in that job um so uh, but yeah it doesn't mean to say that we can't or that we're not interested in it um there's uh, there's definitely room for for both i think nice nice 
let's see. Wow, where was we? Uh, Sorry, <laughs> this is what I was talking about, going off on a tangent. I'm really no, no, sorry. No, it's, it's a no, half it's, glass of wine. It's awesome. I, I can just, <laughs> I can just, I can sit here and get lost yeah. in it, and then I, then I forget my next point because I'm just, so, <laughs> I'm interested in what you're saying. So, uh, I've got a I, couple questions here from Andrew Bartram that we can move on oh, to. I, oh God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hi, I Andrew. Also, <laughs> I should also point out uh, my. He says. My, hold on. Hold Rachel. on. Hold on, Andre. I should point out oh. my my son is mowing the grass outside, so it's he's getting closer and closer. So I might get, <laughs> might get loud. Oh, I, I can just know. hear him. I can just hear him. Like, excellent. Is he doing? Is he doing nice stripes? Uh, is he, probably. Is he probably mowing not. He'll probably positives podcast into your lawn. <laughs> He'll probably leave a bunch of clumps that I'll have to go back over afterwards. But, uh, yeah, he, but. He's mowing the letters USA into the back. Oh my god. <laughs> The quality control, you're going to need to go taking, outside. Taking after his father. <laughs> okay, well, now we can move uh, on. I said, let you know there might be some noise soon. but uh, <laughs> uh, All right, so we've got a few questions here from Andrew Bartram, the lovely co-host of the Lensless podcast, yeah. who says, uh, Rachel, who do you like mm. best, Jeremy or Aid, and why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> answer that he has another one okay okay worse or better i'd say i'd say better um what character traits do you need to be a top class podcast host or even a mediocre one this is like what you put on your dating profile isn't it good sense of humor (laughs) (laughs) ability to laugh at idiots no i'm really joking um yeah probably good sense of humor and ability to um uh, well i was gonna say turn up on time but i'm yeah this this is always really difficult um <laughs> yeah i don't god that's a really difficult question i, I don't know because i'm not so <laughs> i don't know how to answer that sorry oh, no i think the i think the the good sense of humor is a is a huge part of that i mean uh there's obviously tons of different um film photography podcasts under the sun i pretty much listen to all of them because i'm a fiend for uh for uh film podcast content um but definitely my favorite ones are the ones that you know feel more like a like a conversation that that have that element of of humor and there's no lack of that on the sunny 16 podcast when you have <laughs> when you have graham in the room <laughs> not that the episodes without him are bad not saying that at all but there is just this, a special sauce that that is present when when Graham is is That's gracing true. us with his uh, with his words. Let's not talk about Graham's special sauce. Okay, thanks. <laughs> 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 but um, actually, actually, I should I should say because that has brought something up for me, which was um, uh, just to say that actually the reason probably one of the main reasons that I said yes to their um, request for uh, will you come and be the token uh, female (laughs) photographer on the the (laughs) podcast Um, they didn't say that but you know maybe they were thinking it Um, but now they're stuck with me so tough it it was because um, this oh god this sounds it might sound really awful but as a woman it is it can be really difficult to find um spaces online or in places like this where you feel comfortable just being yourself mm-hmm. uh that you can be really open and daft and you know 
but you can also hopefully have some slightly more intelligent conversations as well without being feeling like you're being judged um and a big part of the whole um there being you know more of a male dominance within this field shall we say within photography or analog photography in general um you know i was i was kind of just a little bit sick of the you know who's got the biggest lens do you know what i mean and who's got the most megapixels and all of that sort of stuff just felt very uh frustrating to me uh as a as a woman so it was really nice to kind of come across some uh, the guys at sony 16 and say yeah they clearly are not of that group of people and uh it made a big difference to me saying yeah they're, they're down to earth they have a ridiculous sense of humor and um they feel like people i could go to the pub with and have a have a beer with so yeah, <laughs> oh, definitely. i mean the three of you are 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 people that are extremely easy to laugh with, at, and respect all at the same time. So, mm -hmm. and I, I, I like uh, I like AIDS the way the way Aid uh, handles Graham. Oh, we're so different. <laughs> we're so different as well. And honestly, that is like something that's really lovely. And I'm sure you guys find this as well because it is also about having differing opinions and like you know all of our personal circumstances, situations, backgrounds, like, um, you know, where we live, how we live, all of that, it's all very different. And that's only going to be a good thing, I think, because you bring all of those different ideas and perspectives to a conversation. Um, so hopefully, what I'm trying to say is when Graham's is, Graham insults people, hopefully Aid and I can make them feel better. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, uh, so uh, we've got a cu couple little last things, and maybe we can wrap this up. Uh, Mr. Neil Piper uh, says, ask Rachel if I can be a product tester for her new analog adventure kit, please. Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an ideal, Neil. Why don't you buy one? <laughs> I was going to say, well, this kind of refers back to the, um, the question, which was, how do you try and survive full-time in photography running your own business? <laughs> People have to buy your products, <laughs> right? Right. Or I, I won't check it. But uh, Neil's Neil's again really um, a great person who's really definitely part of the community and clearly shares and gives a lot back to uh, to that as well. So uh, I'm sure we can work something out. Neil. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, Neil. So we put her on the spot for you. So I guess. Uh, uh, but uh, <laughs> and the last one was uh, uh, from Matt Melcher from uh, Box of Cameras con. Uh, uh, podcast and uh, he I had mentioned that we were going to be starting this thing at noon and he was like his question was noon will you be drinking coffee or beer and uh, I went with neither I finally did get me a, a nice uh, delicious uh, glass of bourbon uh, and I believe Rachel joined me what was what was you having Rachel but just of course it's not um, noon I'm, there <laughs> yeah yeah I'm on a Chenin Blanc at the moment which is a white wine um, but generally I am quite a bourbon girl bourbon bourbon nice, however you nice. pronounce it Sorry, sorry, upsetting all our American <laughs> listeners. Oh God, um, no, bourbon fine. definitely is not fancy enough to call it bourbon. <laughs> bourbon? I've never heard it called that. That's amazing. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, I, I, yeah, I'm more. I tend to drink that more, or like a dark spiced rum or something. There you go, Neil. We could swap a bottle of nice dark spiced rum for an adv <laughs> analog adventures kit. <laughs> 
even when we record this thing in the morning, or at least in the morning here in USA time, somehow alcohol still enters this uh, this podcast. <laughs> wouldn't so be a sorry, negative positive episode without it. <laughs> this is all bad influence from your guest. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we've never drank before. Uh, so. <laughs> but, uh, Maybe not at nine in the morning. Uh, okay, that's a different, well, it's, that's it's a different conversation. I'm drinking a- water. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Well, it's afternoon here. It's technically it's uh, it's acceptable to drink now. So uh, any time afternoon, I believe, is the is the rule, the standard, I guess. But uh, <laughs> so okay, let's uh, wrap this episode up. We may have beaten uh, M's record for longest episode. I'm not sure, which I'm sure he'll be really upset if oh. uh, if that happened. So <laughs> I just realized I didn't answer Sherry. Well, I'm gonna have to break it now, aren't I? Because I realized I didn't answer Sherry's question. Which was what is my favorite part of shooting film? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Sherry, I didn't mean to uh, to ignore your question. Um, yeah, my favorite part of shooting film is kind of getting out and actually shooting the film. It's the part, unfortunately, that I have least time, or I seem to now have least time to do because obviously we're in a business means you do everything else, all of the rest of it, and sometimes the really the business can get in the way of the shooting film part. Um, but uh, but yeah, that that is probably my favourite part. Just going out with a camera, I feel like that's such a luxury in a way. Like going, choosing, choosing the film that you want to use, choosing the camera you want to use, the subject you want to go and shoot, and just having like a lazy time to be able to go and actually do that, and like without having to run around and rush for a purpose or for a particular job or something like that. Um, I think it's it's the prepping part to go, yeah, this is specifically what I'm deciding, you know, these are decisions I'm making because this is the particular shot that I want in mind. Um, and then actually going and shooting with that without feeling rushed or pressured or what have you um, to do it, just just to go and enjoy, enjoy that part of it, I think would be what I'd say. There we go. Oh, that's awesome. I, I totally agree. There's something very almost... Uh, um therapeutic or something about going out there uh, and just shooting with with not really a uh, with no pressure just just for the fun of it for the passion of it is it's, it's yeah. quite amazing yeah but uh it's ir- right. ironic isn't it that it seems to be the part i get least time to do oh, now of course yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, i don't even make my uh, my living off photography and it's it's still very difficult to get out and you know it's just it like any passion if it's not you know um it's, it's it's time is a problem for everybody it's always hard to find yeah. times for the things that don't necessarily uh i don't know take care like mow your grass like <laughs> or like uh you know just, just you mean like your son <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in other words taking care of my son to get him to mow the grass is, uh, <laughs> is well, no, but even my... even me interning here at still, people have been asking me like oh have you been taking massive amounts of pictures and I have to kind of be honest and say, well, no, not exactly. I mean, I spend most of the day in the studio working. And by the time I leave the office, the sun's usually already set. And I go back home and I pour myself a glass of bourbon and, and <laughs> wind down for the night because tomorrow I need to get up early to go to work again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, it's the modern age. It's a universal theme, isn't it, is, it, I think? It is. Yeah. But uh, all right, well, it has been... Uh, really awesome, Rachel, to have you on the uh, the episode here to, uh, today with us, and uh, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, 
uh, it's just been a real pleasure. And uh, oh, you're so um, welcome. It's been really lovely to to chat with you both. And you know, I was going to say all in the same room. Not exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We're in three different time zones, but um, but you know, in the same um, sort of analog photography podcast kind of room vibe. Um, It's been lovely to actually have a chat with you both. Thank you so much for asking me to come along and and do this. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, we've already gone on about how much of a an inspiration uh, you and, and the folks at Sunny 16 are to, to us. Thank you for the opportunity uh, that, that you gave both me and Mike for being on your podcast. Um, and you are always welcome back here when you do end up getting your your bottle of the Cinestill DF96 Monobath and, and mm-hmm. use it for your own work, for your workshops, hopefully getting aid to finally develop some black and white film <laughs> at home. <laughs> and we would love so. to we would love to have <laughs> you back on to talk about that. Absolutely. And I'm sorry we didn't really get a chance to talk about that today. Obviously it's not quite arrived yet, but I really appreciate the fact that you um sent sent over a bottle for me to be one of your testers. So I'm very much looking forward to using that. Specifically because obviously the workshops that I do the people that I'm, that I'm, you know, teaching and talking to about this whole analog photography world. Sometimes this is a really good. What I'm looking forward to is this being a really simple, uh, straightforward way of getting them interested in that. Um, because once that little spark happens as a first kind of like point of contact, then it can go to so many different places after that. So I think perhaps using the monobath is going to be a really nice way of introducing that as a first as a first port of call um, for them to then explore all of these other things and alternative processes and generally shooting with all the different formats that we have and so many options for the future for everybody so uh, um, yeah it sits within what I try and do with little vintage photography really well I think um, and I'm really looking forward to trying it out thank you very much Andre absolutely all right. Uh, so, Rachel, would you tell, other than the wonderful Sunny 16 podcast that I'm sure most of our listeners know about, can you tell people where to check out your work and find out all about you? Yeah, sure. Um, it's probably best to have a little look either at my website, which is littlevintagephotography.co.uk, because obviously I'm based in the UK, um, or you can find me on Instagram, which is littlevintagephotography. Uh, or I also have a, I set up a separate Instagram, which was more focused on the weddings I shoot on uh, both digital and film um, and instant. And that is the vintage caravan photo booth with dots between the words, like full stops or periods, as you would call them. Sorry. Yes. Um, between the words. Uh, I'm also on Twitter as R.E. Brewster, which is B-R-E-W-S-T-E-R. And on Facebook, I'm Little Vintage Photography One UK, I think, because the rest of it was already taken. (laughs) (laughs) So there we go. So uh, website and my social medias. And uh, yeah, it would be lovely to have some longer conversations with people. Thanks so much. Awesome. And Andre, where can people see your nine photos? (laughs) See. Rachel's listing off all of her social medias that like I know that she's active on because I follow her and then meanwhile I'm sitting here being like you can find my nine images at Andre on film on Instagram uh, as well as on the negative positives film photography podcast Facebook group Uh, we have actually just recently 
uh, added an email address for the podcast that both Mike and I have access to. Oh, yeah. So if you would like to send an email to the podcast, Mike, where do people send it to? That would be our new email address, which would be negpositives, N-E-G positives at gmail.com, negpositives at gmail.com. So yeah, our new email address that both, it goes to both Andre and I, instead of it just going to me and me having to forward it to Andre and all that. So, you know, we're getting more efficient, you know, so uh, that's what we're doing here. But uh, yeah, to try out the new, uh, the new email. It goes to both of us now. So very cool. But, um, I should probably say that actually um, you guys are amazing at your Facebook group and you have such a lot of um, activity on there and engagement. It's great to see. I'm, I mean, I'm literally forever seeing posts come up and people discussing <laughs> things. It's brilliant because I'm supposed to be in charge of the Sunny 16 one. And <laughs> I, it just, yeah, there's so many other things going on in my life, uh, you know, going on. I find it really difficult to also keep track of that because there's my own uh, Facebook group and then there's obviously my business one and then there's the Sunny 16 one and uh, I did find it a bit of a nightmare so I'm very impressed with how you guys uh, use use your Facebook group you do a great job of that so well done oh. <laughs> I don't know if we if we do that great of a job but we definitely have some some very active uh, you know members of our of our little community and they're really the ones who who make it what it is I mean uh, they they make up you know quite quite a bit of the the folks that we have on as as guests and we we feel like we we really know a, a large handful of them uh you know personally as friends uh, at this yeah. point which uh is always a is always a great feeling it is so cool that isn't it it's like yeah i kind of coming into this world it feels like i made a whole new bunch of friends god oh, this absolutely. has really i really have had half a bottle of wine haven't i but um <laughs> you, you know what i mean it, it, oh, it has been so lovely to actually find that you have these conversations with people who also understand your passions and your interests and your frustrations with various things that don't work and do mm-hmm. work and stuff. So people are very supportive. I think it's lovely. And a big part of that, folks, is leaving uh, Collins to this podcast. Uh, the fact mm-hmm. that we still use Anchor uh, to, you know, to host uh makes it such that you know leaving the cons is super easy on the anchor app uh, even if you don't listen to it on the anchor app leave us a call and we would love to hear your questions in your own voice uh ra- not rather than an email but it is always great to to hear uh your voice and if you would like to to not download <laughs> the anchor app you can always just send us a voice message uh through the the new email so you know uh send out some some voice messages to us we'd love to hear you oh yeah yeah much better to hear their voice than uh hear us try to like uh i don't know badly read their emails so uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that is uh, also that is always a challenge oh yeah oh that would be that would be an answer to andrew bartram's question wouldn't it uh, get really <laughs> be really good at um reading out emails and, and not trying to like read them and and basically <laughs> Um, recite them at the same time so take some time before you're reading out an email to read through it and have some have a chance to do that yes i thought you were finally going to say which of the two co-hosts you like better oh (laughs) no no that is just not fair (laughs) 
All well, right. you know, if I lost either of my sunbeams, my other sunbeams, that would be that would be a very very sad day, wouldn't it? So, oh, uh, yeah, I think the three sunbeams have to stay together. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right, folks, you can uh, let's see where was we? Oh yeah, <laughs> you can see my photography on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. And uh, you, you can email this program. Remember the new email address, negpositives at gmail.com. And obviously join the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. Okay. So You uh, also, just before you go, Mike, uh-huh. just um, you, ha- you have your competition, don't you? Uh, yeah, the double exposure challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that finished? It's, uh, it's well, it's finished... Uh, everyone has been paired with their partners and it ends okay. july yeah, 31st say, yeah make sure you let them know about that <laughs> oh yeah 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 it, it's ending up yeah. if you uh are in the challenge make sure you get your uh your entries submitted your two favorites submitted by july 31st so that we can have uh uh rachel's not so lovely co-host uh graham <laughs> on here to judge them so. <laughs> the harshest of sunbeams Right, the one that oh, uh, he gives us good contrast prints, right? <laughs> he's he's uh, more. I think he's more of the sunburn. Oh, he definitely everyone. contrasts with how sweet and lovely Rachel is. <laughs> right, maybe right. Aid and I are the more diffused rays sunbeams. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Aid, uh, I mean, Graham's the one that gives you the sunburn for sure, but uh, that's the one you gotta <laughs> use the sunscreen uh, uh, to to avoid. But uh, <laughs> but uh, okay, uh, oh, Rachel. Right. That's What's enough that? puns and dad jokes to, to fill up this entire first half of the week, folks. <laughs> this week you will have the, the pleasure of, uh, of taking a break from, uh, from Mike's style of humor and, and <laughs> listening to me for around 15 to 20 minutes while he's, he's off on vacation. Nice, <laughs> In yes. the first ever uh, solo Andre episode. So uh, bu- buckle, buckle in, folks. It'll, it'll be rough. It's going to be great, Andre. You do a fabulous job. Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna miss me. I mean, 148 episodes of my <laughs> voice is not enough. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, so let's go ahead and wrap this thing up and end this episode. Everybody, stay positive and shoot some cool film photos. All right, thank you everyone for listening, and we shall see you very soon.